Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. I'm your host, Liz Fiddler, and today we are going to be talking about dahlias. I call them dahlias. Some people call them dahlias. I say dahlias. I don't know. And I have two guests here with me, Megan and Mallory from Blooming Creek Flower Farm, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves, but we were friends in college, and now we live about 90 minutes apart, and I have bought dahlias from them because their dahlias are so excellent. They are better at growing dahlias than me. (laughs) I'm going to say that. That's why I wanted them on here. But yeah, go ahead and I don't know, whichever one of you wants to go first. Who's who's older? Who's older? I I am Mallory. Okay. Okay. You know, I don't know if I if I expected that. I maybe thought Megan was older. Anyway, oh, I mean, doesn't just really by matter. A minute, so by a, by a minute, but much, whatever. But I always take credit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Mallory, go ahead. <laughs> sure. Yep. So my name is Mallory Thompson. I'm one of the twins here at Blooming Creek Flower Farm. We are in our third full year of flower farming. The farm is located at Megan's house, but I live just four miles to the east of her. So we do live very close in proximity as well, which is really handy. So I can just buzz over as the need arises. But I work full-time as a life insurance underwriter. I have been married for uh, about 10 years and we have two girls, ages five and three. So when we're not busy flower farming, I do have a full-time job and I keep up with my family and so forth as well. I'm Megan Fisher. I'm the other half of Blooming Creek here. And like Mallory said, the farm is at um, on our property. We are located just about eight miles or so south of DeGraff, DeGraff, Minnesota. I should say small town west of Wilmer. Um, but this is where we grew up. Our parents live just about 10 miles to the north of us. And we're back to the community that we grew up in. And our kids will go to the school that we went to school at. And it feels good to be home. My husband and I, his name is Michael, and we we nickname him like the farm maintenance manager. Mm-hmm. It helps us out a lot. But we've been married, uh, it'll be seven years here this August. And we have two girls, uh, Nora and Caroline, and a baby boy on the way. So we'll be busy with that here this fall as well. My full-time job outside of the farm too. Um, I work off the farm. I work for Dooley's Petroleum in Wilmer as a customer service rep and a CSR manager. So a little bit about me. Yeah. And at the end, we'll talk about, you know, where they can find you guys, but they're Blooming Creek. They're on Instagram and Facebook, but I'll put all of that. If you are new to the podcast, every single episode, if you go to sunnymarymeadow.com slash podcast, every single episode besides the bonus bloom and grow episodes, but all of these cut flower farming episodes are their own written blog. And so if you want to look up, you know, any resources or go back and reference it, it's all on there. So sunnymarymeadow.com slash podcast. So you'll find this episode episode on there. So we're going to just start at the very beginning with dahlias. And I think, you know, I think we're going to go into like planting them, fertilizing, weeding, trellising or staking, picking, Mm -hmm. vase life, landscaping, or, you know, if you just use them in like landscaping or pots, like what the difference is that versus growing them as cut flowers Um, and then dividing and storing anything you guys think we should add to that. And as we go, we'll just adjust it. But am I forgetting yeah. anything? Bugs. Bugs. We got to put that. Yeah. I would add bugs. Yeah. yeah. It's super fun. Right. <laughs> but it's a big part of yeah. it. For sure. yeah. yeah. Dahlias are a tuber, which is similar to a little potato, you know, kind of. Yeah. It's, it's a root. And so it's, it's not a bulb. It's not a seed. You can plant them by seed, but you won't get the same variety. Like it'll be a mystery flower essentially. So you plant these tubers and 
you got to make sure it has a viable eye, just like a potato when they start sprouting. So, you know, you have to make sure it has one of those. But I'll let one of you talk if you want to talk a little bit about like how they're perennials, but not really in our area and zones and stuff like that. So, yes, tubers in Minnesota or dahlias in Minnesota are not a perennial. Um, They need to be just planted in the dirt in the spring. Plenty or pretty early, but after like the soil warms enough because they cannot tolerate any like frost. So we plant them usually mid to end of May. I think this year is about the 20th or so of May. And then finally, once they're sprouted, pinch them back, watch them grow. And then finally, the first blooms after pinching, we see usually by late July. So kind of a shorter growing season, but then from up until the first blooms through their first frost, our first hard frost, they'll have many, many blooms and they get super tall as long as you keep picking and keep pinching them. Some of them can grow up to over like five feet so fun to see that but yeah and I think so I usually plant them about four to six inches deep which I think is probably deeper than most people do but it gets so windy like my meadow is just wide open so that's how deep I go and they do fine I don't know like how deep do you guys plant them we plant ours about four inches I'd say as well okay Um, and then do you guys do like that I feel like they start popping through the top exactly the soil and exactly and then what about like bone meal do you guys do that Um, We did try bone meal the very first year we grew, like, more than a dozen. Um, And the dog immediately. Yes, my dog went after him. Dug him up. Yep, Merle dug him up because it's, yeah, it smells like or whatever, you know. Yeah, we just didn't really see that it was that beneficial and was not going to deal with. Can you guys explain what bone meal is? So it's like a, it's calcium, right? Like, now I gotta Google it. It's a, um... Like a white, white-looking powdery fertilizer yeah. that you put first into the hole before you even put the tuber down. So you dig the hole, put the bone meal down, and then plant the tuber with it, basically. So before they're even sprouted through the soil, they're just bone meals hanging out with the tubers. And then, like I said, it's a can be a, a nuisance for animals to dig right. it up. It's good fertilizer because yeah. it's well, according to animal waste. Gardenerspath.com. Uh, bone meal is an organic fertilizer derived from, you guessed it, bones. Yep, meat, right. meat bone waste from slaughterhouses undergoes a steaming process before being pulverized into granules of powder for use as a soil amendment. It's rich in phosphorus. So that's why our dogs go after it. I mean, I knew it was exactly. bone. Exactly. It but smells like, like most of them. Yep. 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 So anyway, that's fun. Um, yeah. I haven't used it since. I don't know. Maybe I should. I don't know. And I feel like, but if you guys don't do it, I ain't going to do it. Cause yeah. Dahl- <laughs> like whatever right. you guys do with your dahlias, that's what I need to do. Cause your dahlias right. are great. No, um, we don't use it. Yeah. and then usually, so I, d- I did pot some up, um, like the ones I bought from you guys, actually, um, they have a tuber sale every spring. I bought, I don't know how many I bought, 20, 15, something like that yeah. from you guys. And then I potted them up ahead of time. So they were a good eight inches tall when I transplanted them out just to get a oh, little nice. bit of an early start. Yep. We'll see. I don't know. But, and some people do that. Like I know there's a flower farmer mm-hmm. in Wisconsin, like she pots up like 200 of them, but I just can't keep up wow. with it. If I do that, I don't remember to water them. It's just not good. No, we've never really done the potting. Yeah. Either. I mean, yeah. it's like, yeah, you get flowers an extra week or two earlier, but true. It's a lot yeah. of work. It's a lot of work to do that stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. so I mean an extra week or two earlier and maybe you can sell more bouquets or whatever, but like take a half hour out of your day to water them all and check on them and like, right. Nah, no, 
nope. No, thanks. Yeah, so planting them. And then they usually start coming up. I mean, they say, and, and it's true, like they can take up to like six weeks to come up. Some of these like oh, yeah. stragglers, like some of yep. them are up in three or four days. And some of them it's like, it's a month. Like I gave up on them and then I started digging them up just out of curiosity. I'm like, oh, there it is. Whoops. So Same. Yeah, we found some of that as well. And they catch up. Yeah. Like they feel yeah, like somehow. they still all bloom at the same time. I don't yeah. know, right? Like I don't know, maybe not, but like they like or within, you know, it's not like they bloom six weeks apart if they, right. you know. So yeah, that's kind of planting, and then so right now mine are probably well, it depends on the variety, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about some favorite varieties at the end. But I think some of mine are anywhere from, I'd say mine are all between. Maybe there's some that are eight inches, but most are probably around twelve to. Yeah. I've got a few that are a couple feet tall already that are like budding, but that I missed, yeah. that I missed. So then let's talk about pinching. So if one of you wants to talk about that. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing too for height. Like some of ours now are, are a little on the shorter side, maybe even just like, I mean, some that, like, that were kind of slow to come up or maybe just in the six to eight inch range and others are, um, you know, pretty tall. But basically for pinching, you just pinch them back down to, well, depending how tall you let them get before you pinch them, just pinch them off. So the first really the buds and the first set of leaves are gone and that's just going to help encourage the plant to grow taller and branch out more which is ultimately just going to lead to more flowers it also you know just kind of makes the whole thing a little sturdier and if you don't pinch them you get like a broomstick of a stem that's like yeah. enormous so you you have to pinch them to get right, smaller stems usable get stem. thick, yeah yes yeah and then do you guys ever have it because I don't know, obviously I'm sure you do like when you pinch them and it's like a huge circle and like some people will like cover that. I never, ever have. And I've never had a problem. They say like if rainwater gets into it, Oh, well, first of all, it doesn't rain here. So whatever. Exactly. We've had that problem this year. Um, but do you guys ever do anything with that? Like there's, I mean, there's some flower farmers that I follow and they're like, put a, put a pin over top or saran wrap. I'm like, who has time for that? (laughs) Like, I don't do anything ever. No, we don't either. I know exactly what you mean. Like some of them said, by the time you, by the time they've grown and you pinch them, they're like as big as a round already as like a nickel or a quarter even. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, we never do anything with that. We just pinch it, cut it off and let it be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Never had a problem. Yeah. And I know some people will like try to propagate from their pinchings. And I think that's like a big thing right now, but I'm just barely trying to stay ahead. I don't need to grow my supply that much. And honestly, like all my dahlias are pretty well mixed up. They were not labeled great this last year because I was moving into my house. And so I just like, we're just glad I got them out of the ground. So it's going to be a rainbow, (laughs) rainbow one more year. So I was like, my luck will be like the ugly ones that I had meant to throw away. And those will be the ones that I like take the time to baby and they probably wouldn't even bloom in time. And so then I wouldn't even know what time they were anyway so <laughs> I don't know that's kind of my theory on that is I'm not gonna try to plant the pinchings yet no. but I don't know no. it's a good way to grow your stock like you said yeah no not the same year yeah trellising so I did um I think I did the same thing as you guys t-posts with two levels of string around the edges and so that they just kind of like the middle ones will support each other but then it just keeps them from flopping over the sides right um, I see we some. Did it that way. Yeah. yeah. You guys do we it, did it that way. Our first year, we just kind of corralled them that way. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, before that, we didn't have as many. So we just bamboo staked them individually. Yep. Um, and that worked great. Got a few more, did the corralling method. And then last year, we looked into doing what they call like the Florida weave. 
And so it is just twine, again, through T-posts. But instead of just straight rows of twine, they're like X'd or crisscrossed through all the rows. And mm-hmm. so it offers more support like through the middle. Nice. I should maybe look into some middle support. I see quite a few growers using like netting, like the six by six netting. And I just, I'm worried about that for them. (laughs) I I just, wouldn't that be so messy? And then especially, I don't know. I just harvest. I feel like it'd be really hard to harvest. Like even right now, my snapdragons, I'm just cursing harvesting through the netting. Like I don't want to do it. (laughs) I don't know. No, yeah. um, I feel too at the end of the season, like when you go to like cut them all off, mm-hmm. you'd just be cutting the stems, you know, at the bottom mm-hmm. or towards the ground and taking all that foilage plus mm-hmm. the netting. Yeah. I, it. Yeah. It just it seems like a mess. Seems like a mess. <laughs> yep. I used to, I mean, the first year that I grew them, I had like nine or 10. I used tomato cages. Mm, that's what oh, I had. Idea. That's what I had. Yeah. I don't know. It worked good. And then maybe one or two, I did like bamboo steaks, which is literally like a stick in the ground that you tie it exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I use tomato cages. They need to be supported. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, they cannot. They need to be yeah. supported. Yep. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, they'll just grow along the ground. and Yeah. Yeah. Flop over. Too much wind here mm. for that. So let's talk about fertilizing. Alrighty. Alrighty. <laughs> Sorry. I'll, I'll let one <laughs> of you talk. Yeah. Um, we don't offer or we don't actually do that much fertilizing. Our soil has seen work out really well. Mm-hmm. But the only thing we use or put down is kind of now when they're about a foot tall or so is the Dr. Earth Bud and Bloom Booster. It's called. It's like in a pink bag. You just sprinkle it like on the soil and kind of work it in with a hoe or like a garden weasel. Mm-hmm. So like, like work it into the soil a little bit, water it, and then let it go. That's all. It's, it's supposed to be like a just increase the amount of blooms you get per plant, I think, without being too high in nitrogen. Nice. Yeah, I did spray some fish emulsion on them Okay. like three weeks, two weeks ago. I don't know. I don't know if it helped. I sprayed it on my ranunculus once. I don't know. Okay. Like, I've always wanted to yeah. try it, but it's so stinky. It's so <laughs> stinky. It's that we've smells. never attempted. It's, well, and it's, I don't know. I honestly don't know if I got a bad batch or like, if that's how it is, but it's like this gooey stuff and you shake it with water. I'm like, is it supposed to be solid? I don't know. Like I thought it was a liquid, but anyway, it was just gross. It was just gross, but we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. And then you guys don't use landscape fabric for yours. Do you? Uh, The only fabric we have out there is just between the rows. Otherwise they're planted just in dirt. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's what I do too. And honestly, like where mine are planted, I get a lot of crabgrass coming through because it's yeah. a new location. So that sucks. But after this year, it won't be so bad. So that's been crappy. But we just take the hori hori knife, go through it. It's yeah. It's been manageable. And then I do put, I do use preen, like a pre-emergent within them to try to like keep stuff from sprouting. But that doesn't stop crabgrass. So it doesn't really... Right. I don't know. Anything else, though, would be helpful for. Mm-hmm. And the plants are, I mean, they're big enough by now that it's... It's not bad. Like you just wait for the weeds to come through and you pick them. And Eventually they'll throw themselves out. Yeah, yep. exactly. Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick break from this episode to talk about something else. We're going to talk about my course that I'm launching this fall, Peddling Perishable Products. So they are essentially, if you like the episodes where I tell you how to grow the flowers, I really think you're going to like the episodes where I tell you how to sell the flowers. Ultimately, I tried creating some podcast episodes talking about how I do things and it just 
felt incomplete and I really want to make a difference and I want to make it easier on you and I don't want you to find out how to do things the hard way. If you want more information on how to sell your flowers and turn it into a comprehensive business, click the link within this episode notes and sign up for a Calendly call. I promise it's not intimidating. It's 15 minutes. I'm going to tell you the stats on my sales. I'm going to give you information on the course. Ultimately, if at the end of the phone call, the answer is no or not yet, I promise no hard feelings. I just really, really want to help you turn your cut flower hobby into a successful business if that's what you want to do. Again, no hard feelings. Just sign up on the Calendly link. Thanks. talk about bugs if you want one of you wants to take the lead on that sure so pests especially in minnesota here are the corn rootworm beetles love the dahlias i'd say like mid-august you start to really see them start eating at the buds themselves before they're even open and if you can manage it before you have like too many plants like we have we counted tonight and it's just about 200 um, individual plants it'd be way too many to bag but you can buy the little like organza bags like from a craft store or something and put that over the bud themselves before it even opens or before the bug has a chance to get into the middle of the bloom because once it gets in there it'll burrow and start wreaking havoc yeah Mm -hmm. ruining the flower essentially that is one way to stop them is to put the organza bags on each individual bloom but like you said when you have 200 plants that's like a million bags Mm there'd be no way to keep up with it yeah and Uh, i think like some people just kind of waited out. I don't know. Just yeah. Just hope for the best. I don't know. I feel like last year they were pretty bad. So now the last two years we have not begged them. We haven't even attempted it because we've just had too many um, actual plants to do. Mm-hmm. So we actually have gone through and our dad has helped us spray them. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, I mean, and again, there'll be people that'll listen and say like, you know, whether or not they think it should be, you know, don't use chemicals or don't this or don't yeah. that, like organic, yeah. you know, and honestly, like. That's up to the individual farmer to decide that. And they are tested. There are like, you're not touching them. You're not, you know, it's like, and at the end of the day, like it's your crop, it's your product. Right. What else do you, I mean, people don't want holes in their flowers. I don't know. No, we try to like keep as minimal, I'd say minimal chemical as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it comes to preserving the flowers and like our, I'd say our best selling flower, and, you know, we're trying to make a profit on that specific, we'll say crop. Mm-hmm. Like we're not going to risk it and not and have the whole field be eaten by beetles and yep. not have the blooms left. So yep, exactly. And yeah, and they are a pest for a reason. And I, I don't know. I've I've never sprayed any of mine. I mean, I've, I've thought about it. I just haven't had the resources, honestly. <laughs> like or yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to make that decision at some point. But like, yeah. At this point, like I just I haven't had a problem. So I don't know. I'll just keep yeah. hoping for the best. I mean, like there's some, there's some flowers that you have to throw away, but for yep. the most part it's been okay. So I guess the next part is the fun part, picking. Cut low. I mean, for most any flower that does branch, you know, whether it's zinnias or whatever, you cut it super low yeah, and then like trim it up to get it obviously ready in the bucket. So like for the most part in the field when we're picking, I mean, I have my, whether it's volunteers or my paid staff or me, most of the time it's me. It's not like I have a huge <laughs> team, but, um, you know, cut it super low. Even if you like sacrifice those side branches, don't, don't not cut it low because you're hoping to get those secondary blooms because they're not going to be as big anyway. And yep. it's essentially pinching it again. And so For it's sure. like you keep cutting them low and that's like my zinnias right now. I mean, it's similar thing, you know. 
a couple of people that are like, well, what about all those other blooms? Like, I don't need it that short. Cause then we end up trimming it, you know, so then I have them take it, you know, like kind of lay them in the ground and then cut them so that they're all the same length. Like I started doing that sure. this year, just cause it's like, we, we got to save some time on making bouquets. It used to be just, you know, all these random different lengths in the bucket and it doesn't mm-hmm. work. No. And so like, Yep, with dahlias, same things. You still have to cut them super low. Even if you don't need that long of a stem, you still need to cut it that low. Um, exactly. So that the plant keeps reaching, keeps reaching up. It's going to be more, or like you said, more encouraging or beneficial for the plant in the long run. When people come to cut them, like you said, they're kind of worried, like, oh, should I really cut it that far down? It's like, yes, you need to cut it that far down. <laughs> yep, you need to, and yep. you have to. <laughs> yep. Those are the rules. Yeah, um, nice long what you want. Yeah. Do you guys do any hot water or anything like that? No, we just fill up our buckets from the hydrant and, Mm -hmm. you know, away we go. Yeah, and I... (laughs) We don't do anything special with that. Yep, no, me neither. My basil I cut into hot water, and I feel like... Sure. Is it florette maybe that says to use hot water for your dahlias? I don't know. Probably. (laughs) But I think I did my first year, but I didn't notice any different. Do okay either way. Yeah, and I think yeah, and I yeah, I think their vase life is okay. So then, I think this is a good time to start talking about favorite varieties. I fell into the trap of like buying what I liked, which is why <laughs> I have an entire row of a hundred and yeah some cafe au lait dahlias, which yes. they're really pretty, they're awesome, <laughs> they but are. they just they don't last a long time. They only last like four days, yeah. and most of my customers understand like okay, after four days, just take that one out. Like, right. but it's yep. really pretty. It's really yeah. pretty while it's there. Just, but then there'll be people that'll be like, well, it only lasts. I'm like, I, I know that's, that's all they last. They're so pretty. And so, I mean, I am, that's why I bought a bunch from you guys was I, I needed more ball dahlias. Yep. They definitely have a life. Yep. And I, I love the, I don't know what, what you call them, like kind of like wispy stringing, look, stringy looking dahlias. You know what I'm talking about? Like mm-hmm. a cactus style. Yeah. Yep. Like, yeah. I love those, but again, like, mm, no, not in arrangements necessarily. Right. Um, not, or not in bouquets. Like, again, and I say all the time, True. I do a lot of bouquets, not necessarily arrangements. Um, you know, it's focusing on the fresh flowers. But yeah. so what are your guys's, like, if you had to pick, this is a loaded question. Um, and maybe, yeah, it maybe it's different questions for both of you, but like, you could only grow five dahlias for your cut flower farm. So not based on looks, not based on how it looks in the landscaping, but like producers. Each of us are just yeah. holistically. Yeah. 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 Um, so I am, this is Megan here. I am actually just even more partial to like the ball types anyways. They're my favorite. So I would say my, if I did pick five, I would go with Caitlin's Joy um, and Joy Winnie. And they look really similar anyways. They're both pink ball types. I love also for and so forth like thinking like productivity wise ka rosie joe i'd say is in my top three snow hole doris i love and let's round her out with lark's ebb i don't know if i know that one so that's, that's a one. yellow one a yeah it's more of a water lily style nice. um, not as much of a ball but it has a really good face life and an amazing tuber producer yeah nice nice yeah. well i know i bought three of those from you guys for sure the caitlin's joy the joey winnie yeah. And I think the Snow Hodoris. Yeah. I do love Ivanetti. Yes. Um, it's it's dark, so it's pretty, I don't know, people seem to like that one. Great one for fall because it's like a burgundy. Yeah. Yep. I did some Cornell bronze. I bought new ones this year. Those um, are my top three. Yep. Mallory. Yep. Yep. And then, of course, my my Cafe Olays. But again, yeah. they're, 
They're you know, they're great for weddings. They're great for you know those type of things, but true event work. You know, if you but I don't really yeah. do a lot of those at this point. So I don't know. We started off too, also like it's I would say growing kind of what you'd like. So we did have quite a few like dinner plate styles, like the cafe Olay, but just found yeah that just the vase life wasn't great for making bouquets, and ultimately you want to give a good flower to the customer. So we really have transitioned a lot of them to the ball types, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Best face life, I would say also I agree with like, it's like Cornell Bronze, Ivanetti, um, probably Daydreamer. Yeah. Any of the smaller ball ones. Mm-hmm. And you guys don't have a walk-in cooler, do you? Nope. No. Just stand up cooler. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, how long Someday. do you keep that? Yeah. And yeah. And that's what I mean. And most people don't like, I just have one cause I used to have, there used to be a butcher shop here. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> like, okay, whatever. If you're wondering about that, if you're new to the podcast, go back and yes. listen to one of the early episodes about my butcher shop cooler. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, I would say, you know, how long do you guys store them in the cooler then like overnight or do you just use them the same day or what do you guys do? Uh, most often we're picking for like our bouquet subscriptions usually just the night before, especially for dahlias. Mm-hmm. And so I would say after we are picking them, we're cutting them down to size already right away for our mason jars and putting them in the fridge basically just overnight. Mm-hmm. So we really are only storing them short term. Mm-hmm. And I always that thought, way. so like to go along with that, this is kind of moving from the conversation of dahlias, but isn't it kind of weird to you when they always say like, let them rest? I'm like, well, can't I let them rest in the vase? Yeah, <laughs> right. Like yeah. that's what that's what I don't really get. They're like, before you arrange them, I'm like, well, if I cut it and I put it directly in the vase, isn't right. it soaking up water? I don't know. I don't, do yeah. you guys know what I'm saying? Like, although I have yeah. found like my celosia, like don't touch it for a little while. Like give it, yeah. give it a good three or four hours before you start yeah. working with it. It's always like, is like that too. Mm-hmm. You know, one time a day you pick it and so forth. Yeah. But like, I don't know the dahlias, I feel like, yeah, like you said, you cut it down to size right away. And then we haven't noticed anything. Like you said, if mm-hmm. rest time mm-hmm. or if you just live it in a bucket, like in the garage or, you know, in the shed or whatever, mm-hmm. it doesn't really seem to deter the quality of the flower. I don't know. There's a lot of, you know, flower farmers that you follow for like hacks and whatever. And like, I have a really Mm -hmm. nice shade tree down by my flowers. And I've, I've thought about like, Hey, let's just bring 50, you know, but I, now I have a space for making bouquets. So it's, it's perfect. Like, so I don't need that. But I've thought about like, before I did that, I'm like, well, what if I just brought all the jars down there Mm -hmm. and make them down in the field as I'm picking them. But then, I don't know, I feel like if you get pulled away because of a kid or something, now all of a sudden your flowers have been sitting outside for two hours and even longer. Like it just isn't, it's not a one size fits all to me. So you guys pick them, bring them inside right away, make the arrangements and then put them in the the cooler. cooler. Okay. So then the next thing I want to talk about, let's talk about growing dahlias as a hobby grower, not as a cut flower farmer, because you're not going off of productivity the ones that you see at most greenhouses mm-hmm. are going to be a stunted variety definitely um yep. so, they blooming you know in april yep, yep exactly and they're blooming super early and you know they're in pots um and most people leave yep. them in pots mm-hmm. and that's where it's like yeah you can't you can't really use those for cut flowers they're not going to get tall they're genetically modified to, to be, be short. short yep yeah stems are so thin and flowers are, i feel like are so frail mm-hmm it's, yeah, it's not a cut flower mm-hmm. 
Yeah, like it's a dahlia, but not really. Not not as we're right. not as <laughs> we're pretty. thinking. But you know, some people are intimidated by them, and I, I mean, I definitely, you know, you guys have an awesome tuber sale. I mean, I definitely probably want to add a tuber sale of my own in the future, mm-hmm. just because it obviously it's very profitable. I would love to yeah. offer offer it to my customers, local ones, like you guys do shipping. That makes me so nervous, but it yeah. it works. And the ones you guys sent me, they were, ne- they were here the next day, which was so cool. Yeah. Um, right. That was really fast. Yeah. yeah. But like people are like, well, I'm so nervous about dividing them and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But honestly, like, but what's the worst that could happen? Just treat it as an annual. Like you spend 10 yep. bucks on a tuber, just like you would on a potted plant somewhere else. Like the worst exactly. that can happen. Like if you want to buy a cafe au lait dahlia from me, I'll teach you how to do it. Stick it in the ground. Mm-hmm. And then like in the fall, if you don't want to divide it up, like you're nervous about storing it or whatever, like just let it die. Buy a new one. I don't know. It's $10. Yeah. Like we did have you some can't even buy customers. You literally like buy tubers. Yeah. Last year. And then they admitted, no, they didn't dig them up. They just let them freeze in the ground and, they bought more this year. Yep, just for exactly. Yeah, and that's where it's like treated as an annual. You can you can totally do that. I mean, I spent nine dollars on a sandwich at Herbers and Gerbers today because like, yes. I was <laughs> in a hurry and I was like, whatever. And then you know, it's like you get a meal at Jimmy John's and it's nineteen dollars, and it's like, mm-hmm. but then people complain that my bouquets are too expensive. I'm like, I'm sorry, but life is expensive. It is. It is. Let's talk about. What you guys do in the fall before last frost, try to label them. Yes. yes. Yeah. And um, we said last year that we we're going to try to label them earlier this year because mm-hmm. last year, you know, we're on our hands and knees when the plants are four feet tall or whatever. And it's like sorting through a jungle trying to wrap the mm-hmm. taper on the bottom. So this year we're going to try to get them labeled a little earlier. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's a mess. Yeah. But. I definitely need to do that. Like that's an August project for sure. Mid August. Like as soon as we have first flowers in the plants, they're getting the label. Yep. Yep. And then, yeah, because it's exciting and like cut them and put a label on it. Yep. And I will probably be texting you guys pictures of them because guess who didn't label anything? <laughs> <laughs> Anyone know what this is? So we have a group text. Um, it's called Flower Farmer Friends and there's a bunch of us in it. And yeah, that's going to be what that is. <laughs> that, this is now a Dahlia labeling group. <laughs> Sorry, sorry about the sorry about your notifications. So yeah, label them. What do you guys use? I'm assuming like a little plastic like. Little um, we had reviews like the plastic little tags like off just off Amazon before, but we find that they break, mm-hmm. especially as they break so like, easy. Yeah. Yeah, if the weather gets cold or something, they like snap. Um, so then you're kind of lost, you know, with that variety. After they're done flowering, you can't tell which one is which. So then now last year we used like tape colored colored ribbon tape i can't mm. think of that term but you can write with on it with sharpie or like a garden marker and it sticks just fine but that's easier just to tie around than the big stem on the bottom and how many varieties do you think you have um uh, we have 57 wow. okay yeah i mean i've probably got like 20 varieties but i have 490 plants no four, yeah 410 plants okay um but again, a lot of cafe au lait's, like probably yes. almost 200 cafe au lait's because of my own yeah. wedding this year. Like I just, sure. I divided them a ton because I want them. Now watch, we get a September 15th freeze and I won't have them yeah. anyway, but whatever. Don't say that. Um, I'm not sure we did have, but it was like September 20th. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. But um, yeah. it's called flagging tape. Yeah. Flagging so tape. Like, yep. Like bright, be the bright fluorescent pink flagging tape. So it's easy to spot and 
Nice. Easy to pull out of I'll have to yep. try that. Hey, producer Abby cutting in here. We were having way too much fun and there was way too much good information being shared with Mallory and Megan. So what we're going to do is divide this episode into half. So next week you will get part two of our time with Mallory and Megan from Blooming Creek. So stay tuned for that and make sure you're subscribed so you get the notification when the next episode drops. Thanks for listening to the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. I'm your host, Liz. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and rate us. You can find us on Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook at Sunny Mary Meadow. Subscribe to our email newsletter at sunnymarymeadow.com. And if you have questions or comments or anything to say, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at sunnymarymeadow.com. Flowers, flowers, we love flowers. Sunny Mary Meadow, they smell so good. Sunnymarymeadow.com.